All right, yeah. Take it away, and I'm going to eat my omelet. It's been sitting here. Oh, let, okay. Let's let <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, we talked a lot about uh, AI last week. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to delve too far into it, and this is a visual bit, but I think uh, I've solved the the problem with uh, you know not maybe not being able to cast Will Smith in anything after the famous slap. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen uh, the AI generated Will Smith eating spaghetti? No. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna send that to you uh, in the duds chat. Maybe you can for the visual for the YouTube. Sure. You can put it up on. <laughs> oh, that's a terrifying thumbnail. <laughs> in the in the chat chat. Thing. Yeah, in the oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so someone has AI generated Will Smith eating spaghetti. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's, I my, like the part where there's two Will Smiths and it kind of looks like he's nuzzling the other one's head. I don't think I found that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and I and I like this sort of like generic, like classical two girls one cup style music that mm-hmm. they have playing over top of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, there's just two wills, one spaghetti. <laughs> two wills, one spaghetti. <laughs> you know, I guess I think this could solve a lot of problems in in Hollywood, where uh, you know, yeah. maybe someone's someone's unfortunately no longer with us. Could and, AI uh, you know, generate just... a Harvey Weinstein to get those like those you know those <laughs> producer cred? I don't know. <laughs> but you know he's yeah, digital, that's... so he can't like sexually assault anybody. And yeah, <laughs> the a- the AI <laughs> no, that's that's where we reach humanity's downfalls. We make an AI Harvey Weinstein that becomes self aware <laughs> and uses it. To... <laughs> he's doing it again (laughs) welcome back ladies and gents it is episode 93 of there will be duds and i am your co-host tj aka j spot jack cheese and with me as always as always i'm nick aka dr funk on twitch i have a cat on me uh and here we go and as always we watched a movie the movie this week being Jackie Brown from 1997. Uh, qu- what is it? Qu- Quinton and Dur- and Tarantined by Wright and <laughs> Yes. Uh, it is about uh, a few characters, but the, the title character is a flight attendant who smuggles money for a gun dealer. Um, and uh, she kind of gets caught by the police and sort of wrapped up in this uh, double, triple cross plot where she's like, oh, oh, I'll, you know, she's she tells the gun dealer that she's going to, you know, smuggle in the rest of his money and tell the police that she's doing that she's helping them out. And then she tells the police that she's actually going to trick the gun dealer into, you know, getting arrested um, but she's also has her own plan where she's going to get the money herself and she's going to, you know, double cross both of the sides. Um, and yeah, that's, that's more or less it. That's the, that's the culmination. There's a, there's, you know, a little relationshipy. It's a, it's, it's very, there's a lot of scenes where it's just people talking like a Tarantino movie does. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of that. Uh, I surprised like you don't really except for the opening credits you don't see jackie for like the first 30 40 minutes of this movie it's just really yeah strange didn't really expect that so yeah this was no because i still haven't seen pulp fiction but other than that this is the this and pulp fiction are the only tarantino movies i have not seen yet Um, which is funny because i i think pulp fiction and this are Pulp Fiction, I feel like, is his most popular, and this is least. his least popular. Yeah. Which, like, again, not least popular in terms of, like, quality, but the least the least viewed one. That would be Death Proof. And, oh, <laughs> the quality, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's 
that's my least favorite <laughs> you know gotcha yeah a uh, friend of the show chris wade did a quentin tarantino uh like ranking after he watched this movie i looked at his letterbox review he had death proof at like second or third there's there's some people who who love it i i think yeah. if like if the style or the way that it works works for you i think you'll love it but it's just i don't know it, i'm curious to, to watch, <laughs> uh, that's the to one watch I it seen. again that's the only one you haven't seen <clears throat> yeah to the point where like i almost don't even because it was part of that grindhouse series yeah. right yeah we're like, I don't know. In my mind, I've never like perceived it as a Tarantino movie, I guess. Well, if it if it changes your mind, he does. I mean, like he he puts it in the same like he doesn't differentiate oh. between Really? Yeah. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll have to check it out then. Cuz I mean, really if you like a lot of his movies kind of ape a, you know, 70s 80s throwback style anyways. Yeah. So it's only like a slightly heightened version of Jackie Brown or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, this is, I think Jackie Brown is the only movie in his library that is a adaptation of a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I think everything else he's done, I mean, it's Quentin Tarantino, so really everything is an adaptation of something in a lot of ways. His work is, you know, very derivative, which... uh, it's kind of funny, a, a little aside, Chloe hadn't seen Reservoir Dogs, and so we watched that last night before Jackie Brown, and nice. there's, a, there's a scene where I think it's right after Mr. Orange kind of rehearses his story, and he's trying to like kind of get in with the guys. Yeah. Uh, he's in a car with Joe, Mr. White, and... Mr. Pink, and him, mm-hmm. and they're talking about some TV show and they mention oh no that uh she's played by pam greer oh so yeah there's, <laughs> yeah so there's like a direct reference to pam greer in reservoir dogs and i was like oh that's weird yeah like two movies later he works with her because mm-hmm. she was i think she, in the 70s she was big in like those sort of like black exploitation you know kind of semi-erotic crime you know movies of the 70s those pulpy movies that quentin tarantino would have grown up watching yeah she was she was foxy brown which i think is like that's that was like a okay. pretty big one i i think yeah um yeah and this is kind of a i mean i think even the name is probably jackie brown foxy brown is kind of a yeah it's because the character's name i looked at is jackie burke in the book so i mean it's it's similar but oh okay, i feel like yeah, maybe he yeah. he changed that to make it a little more kind of in yeah line it's a with little that. It's it's got a little more pizzazz to it, also like Jackie Brown. Yeah, like there's like that scene where she even she's like at Ordell's place and she like buzzes the intercom. She's like Jackie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess as as the other of uh, the, the one of the two of his that you haven't seen, so you kind of don't have that like you saw it younger, maybe when you were more. Again, though, in- I should state that I feel like I have seen ninety percent of uh, Pulp Fiction in bits, and you know. Bits and bobs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's not the that same I'm way that like, I've seen Star Wars. So yeah, it's not that I like have no idea of what the plot. I is will or think of on. you know, or like what I sure. think my takeaway on Pulp Fiction will be. But um, yeah, yeah. I was curious about your read on this one because I like this one a lot. I thought it was pretty mid. <laughs> um, I ha- I had a feeling that's I in my I, mind I was like I'm yeah. I I I, I hate when. Like, I'll watch a movie, and it's kind of exactly what I was expecting, because then it's like, oh, no, I'm just playing into my preconceived notions. <sighs> but it's like, well, I mean, that's that's my, the AI part of my brain, like, pre- predicting what my, you know, my opinions are. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, it's my brain. I guess I guess I know what I like and don't like, but, it, you know, I was like, I feel like this is going to be, you know, like, if in my ranking, it's it's probably death proof and then this one, but I will say there's a jump, right? Like I actively dislike death proof and this was just like, okay. And then like okay. you go another notch above this and that's like your Django Unchained and once upon a time in Hollywood. So, okay. Yeah. There was elements that I really liked and I feel like one, if it was, <clears throat> if it was shorter, um, it felt like it, I don't think it, justified its length especially when you get to the part and we can get into this later when we 
because I feel like kind of the climax and how that works is maybe a larger discussion. Um, but yeah, the whole, you know, the, the, the bag swapping bit at the yeah. shopping mall and they like do it like from everybody's perspective, it felt unnecessary to me. Um, and again, I can yeah. talk about that later, but, um, there were bits that I liked, like, uh, I loved Robert Forster. I thought he was yep. adorable in this movie. I that's, loved his his crush I think on that's, Pam Greer. It's that's what makes it so strong to me is yeah. all of that shit where him walking around in the 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 store buying Delphonics tapes. Yeah, it's know? really it's yeah, it's really it's actually really cute. I really like their their relationship. It's just it's bogged down by like I mentioned, it's like a half an hour before you even see Jackie Brown after yeah. his opening credits. And I just it, and I know that this is a Tarantino thing. Like I said, I know he likes to just have people talk, but it's like, the thing is, is, and why some movies don't work as well for me is like, if I don't connect with the characters, if I don't like the characters, I don't really care about seeing okay. them talk about fucking chicks with guns for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, and I just, I didn't really like Samuel Jackson's character that much i like robert de niro is pretty good but he didn't it was mostly samuel jackson doing the the heavy lifting in those scenes and it just it felt really prolonged it felt unnecessarily prolonged for like you know the setup of him getting chris tucker out and then killing him and that kind of being yeah the setup for like oh this guy disappeared and now we gotta target jackie brown um now what are you gonna do to get out of it sort of thing uh yeah so yeah just a lot of you know that that's the big thing with death proof is i i hate the characters and it's just talking and it's just you're sitting there with these people that you hate and the nice thing is is that like a lot of them die and that's pretty cool but <laughs> sure that's a, that's a kurt russell one yeah yeah kurt russell's awesome hate- in it no he's awesome oh, okay. but he's but everyone not, else around he's not the oh. one that you see doing the talk like he does have scenes sure but okay. mostly it's the other characters that it focuses Interesting. on because he's the bad guy or whatever. So, yeah, uh, I I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I don't think I've ever I don't think I watch movies in that way. Weirdly enough, like like if I if I like if I have to have like a connection to a character in order to like I, I don't always. like them or dislike them. Yeah, it's I think uh, I think it just plays such a heavy part into Tarantino movies specifically because, like yeah. I said, like. He really, I think Tarantino loves all of his characters and he really yeah. likes to just sit with them. He thinks they're all cool and like yeah. everything that they say is so worthwhile. Yeah. Which and, like, and that's, I was and that's ha- what I mean with it being like, not every movie is this case, but yeah, Tarantino's kind of a yeah. one Which is, is kind of weird because we watched Reservoir Dogs and I kind of had, I almost kind of had that feeling with that movie where it's, you know, it's like 92. Uh-huh. Some of it's like, I guess, a little dated. It's pretty racist. It's a pretty racist movie. Yeah. I forgot how how liberally they uh, just like Tim Roth, Steve Buscemi, everyone. N words flying everywhere. Chris Penn. I mean, just, that's, and I was like, ooh, it's Tarantino's favorite word. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say, I, I think the Ordell character is a little one note he's very much like a quentin tarantino character where he's like i'm motherfucking this and i'm motherfucking that and it's like (laughs) yeah it's like all right yeah you're doing you know you're doing the pulp fiction thing because it's almost like that's exactly kind of how he talks in pulp fiction i mean obviously his character in pulp fiction is like cooler and more like like morally (laughs) ambiguous he's not just like a bad guy yeah or ordell is just like a piece of shit yeah yeah, and I don't, and I don't even necessarily like. I'm not saying that like I resonate with the the guys in Reservoir Dogs because they're all like, you know, they're also all pieces of shit. Uh, yeah, or they they have these like weird like idiosyncrasies or whatever. But so you know, it's not it's not an across the board thing either because I love Reservoir sure. Dogs. Uh, yeah, but which another sorry another little tidbit: the cop in Reservoir Dogs who gets his ear cut off. Yeah, one of his early roles. I get, no, I think it's actually after this movie, after Reservoir Dogs, but in uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, which is uh, pre-Hard Eight. Yeah, Paul that's Thomas a, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the short film, yeah. he plays the John C. Riley character. Oh, interesting. The cop. Yeah. So that was that was a weird little connection there. Hmm. Um I liked I like Robert De Niro's character a lot. I feel like that's a role you don't see him play that often. Yeah. Especially in that era where it's like you got like good fellas, you got heat. I guess heat's a little bit later. But you know, that's like that's Robert De Niro's like peak cool guy phase of like I'm a smooth talking mm-hmm. gangster. And to give him like a handlebar mustache and like just f- the the scene where he's like trying to uh put the phone away and he's like so obviously baked like like ordell's like trying to like get you know explain to him how the plan's gonna work and he's just like fiddling the phone he's like yeah 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 like you know seeing him in that type of role is yeah i, don't know, I really like it just yeah, like a stoner funny. loser idiot yeah and i and he just shoots her in the parking lot yeah it's like I, she just, you know, she wouldn't that, shut up. It's like, you could just hit her? Yeah, like, that was... I, I guess I could. I was going to mention that. That was like, that was my... Well, that was the part that... That was the funniest part of the movie to me. It was him like explaining like... Because he's just so like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, I just, I shot her. And then he's like, he's like, well, how many times did you shoot her? And he's like, two. He's like, where'd you shoot her? And he's like, uh, uh, one in the chest, one in the stomach. Like, just so just whatever about it. <laughs> he's like, oh, is she <laughs> was dead? she dead? He's like, yeah, I, probably, yeah. Like... <laughs> Pretty just, much. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, yeah. that was good. I will say something that did s- sing Tarantino because <clears throat> it also, it felt more, uh, it, it felt, uh, and you know, maybe this is like, it's still early Tarantino. You know, he did Pulp Fiction and that's like the Tarantino style. But you know, mm-hmm. like maybe this is early on enough in his career where it's not like, you know, every movie he comes out with now is like, a Tarantino movie and this just kind of feels like um, a movie it doesn't it's not like injected with his style as much as as his other movies I think but you do get the calling card really early on because there's like those there's like three or four just gratuitous shots of of Bridget Fonda's feet and oh man just just knowing being aware of it yeah it just makes me feel so icky it's just, it, I don't, it's it's so like, it takes me out of the scene so much. <laughs> One thing that I, I think I didn't notice in other viewings that I noticed this viewing is like, they're all sitting there watching like the chicks with guns tape mm-hmm. and he puts his like whiskey glass down and she like touches the rim of the glass with her pinky toe oh. and like looks at it and he like gives her a look like. And he like grabs his, he picks his glass up. Because I, I mean, I guess it does sort of lead into, you know, them having sex, which is like, I think that's kind of what she's trying. She's trying to be yeah, flirty. I guess there's but like it, is kind a, of a point it is a gratuitous Quentin Tarantino, just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, watching that with hindsight, you're like, uh huh. Yep. Great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Again, that's another really funny Robert De Niro line is like, it's like three minutes later and they're like having sex. She's like, Oh, was, yeah. She's like, that was fun. He's like, yeah, that really hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was when, uh, and there was a couple weird, like, scene ending thing, like, just scenes would just kind of end. But there was one especially weird one. And it's when, it's when Ordell goes near the be- beginning-ish, you know, uh, Jackie's out of prison uh, he goes to her apartment to kill her, but then she has yeah. the gun and she's like, oh, no, I have my plan instead. And then he's like, OK, what's the plan? And then the scene fades out and then it fades in and then they're at the door and he's like, OK, see you later. And then it fades back out again. It's it's such a weird decision. Um, <laughs> and I get that it's like, oh, you're going to you're you'll hear the plan later sort of thing. But it could have just cut. Yeah, it was just very weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could have cut. To, yeah, could have cut to something else. Yeah, uh, that, that's because this like, is a little minor, you know, yeah. nitpick. Because that's like they kind of do that like side by side thing where yeah, yeah, Robert Forster realizes that his gun's gone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh shit, what's she gonna do? That was kind of cool. Like you know, there's some yeah. like of those Tarantino choices that were cool. You know, like yeah, I I, yeah. I, I did like that. Um, I actually kind of wish they did more of that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Actually, maybe that's how they could have resolved the 
and now I can, I guess we can get into the whole climax thing with the, you know, the bag exchange. She like goes to the clothing room because she tells the cops that she's going to do the exchange in the food court, but she tells uh, Odell that she's going to do it in the clothing room or in the dressing room or whatever. Um, so Bridget Fonda meets her there. She gives her like the wrong bag. I don't know. It's there's there's bags change hands or whatever. And then you get it from so you get it from Jackie's perspective, you get it from Robert De Niro's perspective, and you yep. get it from Robert Forster's perspective. I yep. think that's it. I think it's just those three. Because um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I wonder if if just if maybe it would have been better if they had just done the split screen thing. Because it's, I'll tell you my 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 thing with with the climax is that like by by separating it in that way it sets it up to be like oh but when you get the you know you get the last one you're gonna get your the real twist of it is gonna be revealed it it reminded me of of oceans 11 how those movies are how like the Mm, okay the steals are have you seen those you probably seen nope no you haven't oh um, no. So the way that those are structured is because like those are all like you know double, triple, quadruple cross, so many heist. layers of like the, yeah. oh, but you did this, but I slipped this into that, and then yeah. oh no, you got the decoy, and then that decoy is another decoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the climaxes are structured in like the same way usually, where it's like you get it from this perspective, and like oh no, <clears throat> if you see it this way, it looks like they lost or they messed up and they didn't right. do it. But then it's like you get it from a different perspective, and it's like oh shit, there you know there's the that's what actually happened and yeah this one it just felt underwhelming it was just like oh she just left the bag there and then he got it it just i you know maybe i was like setting myself up for too much but i think with it being broken up that way it kind of like each new angle to the story i was like ramping up my expectations more and more where like if it had just done that kind of like split screen thing maybe it would have been better it would have been more fluid and it would have been like you would have gotten all the information, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder <clears throat> if that's also, you know, <clears throat> him coming off the heels of Pulp Fiction, which is, you know, very much praised for that non-linear mm. storytelling where, like, you I learn of that things too, yeah. contextually. Because well, like how again, all of his movies are. He, he's very, like, this is, Christopher Nolan in that way, where, like, they love telling stuff out of out of sequence, and I was waiting for yeah. that with that movie. I was like, "This is a very linear movie for for yeah. Tarantino," and, and I think it also is because that it's it's a book adaptation. I don't know; it's it's not his source material, and I wonder if that plays a factor in it. And he's like, "All yeah, right, it's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit of that in mm-hmm. there." And yeah, the payoff is Robert Forster's like, "Oh, I think my wife left a bag of towels in there," so he goes in mm-hmm. and he grabs them, and like he walks yeah. off. I was like, "Okay." Uh, the, the Billingsley clerk is Heather Graham's sister. Oh, really? The woman on the phone. It's like, I think her name's like Amy Graham. But if you, I was like, yeah. she looks familiar. It's cause she's Heather Graham's sister. Okay. Interesting. I did. I mean, I did like the, um, I don't know. I think the music in this movie rules, but, uh, the I one, mean, yeah, one of the usually, instance, he's usually pretty. Yeah pretty good at that yeah. there's like the the practice like the trial run in the food court and the music when robert forrester's watching uh simone take the third bag and walk away and like the music kicked in for that scene i, I don't know i really like that one that like that's how it should have felt like when they mm-hmm. did the bag switch at the end with like the three different perspectives yeah robert right. For- that music kicks in and robert forrester you get to like he's kind of tracking her and like he- robert forrester's a great facial actor in this Mm -hmm. i feel like he gives a lot of looks and he like he has a very subtle he gives like a very subtle smirk when that happens like as he realizes Mm -hmm. like the you know the double triple layer of it so it's like i feel like that that could have been like that climactic scene much more style and pizzazz but yeah it was very you know oh i think my wife left some stuff in there like it goes off without a hitch Mm -hmm. except for i guess (laughs) melanie getting capped in the parking lot yeah (laughs) Lewis, where yeah. did you park? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, being really fucking annoying. <laughs> Is that? Um, and then I feel like even Michael Keaton does like a Robert De Niro face when like they're because like it. Yeah, obviously, like it doesn't go according to the FBI's plan, 
But like when they have Jackie in the interrogation room, there's like a part where Michael Keaton's like, you're trying to tell me, but he's doing the, yeah, he's got like the, the... Yeah. Uh, which I, I, I like those two guys quite a bit too. I thought the buddy cop, uh, Michael Bowen and uh, Michael Keaton were fun, but I just like Michael Bowen as like a character actor because he's, uh, yeah. you know, Buck in Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's like Stanley's dad in Magnolia. Every time I see him show up in something, I he he plays a really good slime ball, even when he's like mm. supposed to be a good guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you want to call the feds in this case good guys, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> to quote Reservoir Dogs, "Did you kill any cops? Uh, yeah, any? So no real people died." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was kind of funny seeing Sid Haig as a judge because I just associate him with like Rob Zombie movies where he plays like psychopaths or whatever. Um, Oh. And also, something I noticed when Jackie buzzes Odell's room, the name Uh above Melanie's is S. Haig. So I I don't know why, but they they just had a little a little nod to to him. Would be a little Easter egg. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he was also in like, maybe he was. Maybe he was in like, you know, those obscure, grindhousey seventies movies that. Oh, he was in Foxy Brown. Okay, so he did do those. Oh, kind of, so maybe that's why. He, that's that's gotta be it. So I was I was like, why does Sid Haig get a little special shout out there? But yeah, that's that that probably is, part of it at least. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, he's in Kill Bill Volume 2 as well. Uh-oh, we're yeah. hitting Wikipedia. Uh-oh. I did like That's... the way that they mirrored uh, the opening sequence with her like going on the gate. And then oh, like, yeah. her walking into the mall. Like that same type of shot. Mm-hmm. With her I liked a lot of the close-ups too, especially like during Robert Forster and, and Jackie Brown like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. There's like... <laughs> I don't know. Again... I think that's really the driving force of this movie and what makes me love it so much. There's like the scene where they're in, it's like, I think it's like the morning after like her and Odell kind of like come to their arrangement. You know, basically she avoids being killed by him. Mm -hmm. He comes over and I feel feel like it's intentional, but she, she says something like, Oh, uh, you know, you do want any coffee? He's like, yeah, if you're having some, She's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, uh, you know, I don't have any I don't have any sugar. You'll take it. You'll have to take it black. And he's like, black's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like talking about her age, and she's like, oh yeah, you know, got a big ass. And he's like, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know, him listening to like the Delphonics in his car, mm-hmm. like kind of singing along to it, trying to learn it. Yeah, I feel like that that character played by someone else or just i don't know played differently like his character could have come off as just like really creepy you know yeah in the way that he's but yeah he just he plays it so like with like a a sweetness that just Mm -hmm. you know it's not creepy you know it's just it's it's yeah it's 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 almost like it reciprocates the yeah eventually but yeah yeah and it's it's kind of a um I don't know. I think Robert Forster is just like he's kind of a stoic dude, mm-hmm. so like it's it's like unexpected, and that's what makes it. Yeah, sweet. right. Like yeah, he's, he's kind of a he kind of has like a hardened look on his face. He doesn't do. Yeah, he's never. He's not usually like a romantic lead. Yeah, you know? yeah. Character, which I think is what makes like their kind of their ending, you know, bit so bittersweet when they finally do embrace. Yeah, and like you can almost see him just being like. Because he kind of walks out out of focus, and he just you see him like he does one of these. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, why did I do that? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's very, he, it's he, very, it's a very bittersweet ending. Yeah, I think the timing there and the editing is is really key because like he he has to hang up the phone because I think he's gonna go like he's gonna go run out there and say like, oh wait a minute. Yeah. But then like right yeah. as he's doing that, she drives off, and it's like right as he's ending the conversation, he's like fuck it was just like just a little too late but yeah i don't know i i i do like that it has that ambiguous ending or I yeah guess it's semi-ambiguous but still in my in my head i'm like yeah they, they get together eventually though yeah i, I love even even when i'm like 
it, when a movie ends with like a you know an ambiguous ending, I'm like, yeah, that's probably the best way to end it. In my head, I'll always go with like the optimistic ending, you know, the ha- the happy. But ending, yeah, but they eventually like, reconnect. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like that scene where he's talking about like retiring from like the bail yeah, bonds yeah. industry, and he's just like, I was sitting this, I was sitting in this guy's house for a couple hours, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's like, I'm 56, I I got to get out of this business. It's like I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> uh yeah but if you if you don't have anything else i'm i'm good to move on to scores the only other note i had was that um i'll send you a picture if you don't know the uh okay the reference but there's like later on samuel jackson like has his hair down and doesn't he doesn't have it in like a ponytail yeah yeah or anything and (laughs) i thought he uh well, just do a Google image search. <laughs> it'd be it'd be easy because okay. you get multiple. But uh, all I could think of was a uh, station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the same color and everything. Yeah, it was an interesting mm. choice for for his <laughs> for his yeah. character. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. That was the other line that made me laugh. Was I, I don't know if it's the same scene we had his hair down. When he's like talking to uh, Sharonda. And she's just like cracked out yeah. on the couch. Yeah. And he's just like, bitch, how do you live like this? He's like, this <laughs> shit is repugnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, 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 like, I felt good. bad for her because like that's the, that's the girl that he's just like, yeah, she showed up. You know, she's from Georgia and. I told yeah. her Compton was Hollywood and she believed me. And it's like, she's clearly like nervous to meet Jackie. And it's like, yeah, I feel bad for Sharonda. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that That's the vicious cycle that you don't really see in these like crime movies. You don't see like the normies who, uh, you know. The other, I guess, little trivia tidbit note is that, um, so the characters of Melanie, Odell, and Lewis were in a, another elmore leonard book previous to oh and that was adapted into a movie in 2011 called life of crime and they're played by uh lewis is john hawks melanie is isla fisher and then odell is uh most deaf um and i think i remember hearing good things about it um so i don't know maybe i'll check it out now just to now that i know that that's a an, an elmore leonard story too but yeah, I think it's supposed to. Well, obviously, because those guys are younger than. Well, I mean, relative to when these movies came out, maybe they weren't too much younger. No, they they probably were. But it's supposed to take place like, uh, like before. Uh, well, obviously before Jackie Brown, but like I think yeah, like a yeah, while yeah. before, because it's like before they go, like go to jail or whatever. Um, oh, okay, that, yeah. So. I think I think I'm gonna settle on a five. I'm not sure though. Mm. I, it's between a five and a six somewhere. Um, but I'm just gonna settle on a five. Uh, okay. There was enough things in it for me to like not go like lower than that that I liked. Um, but like I said, it was just there was also a lot in it. You know, it's it's a five because you know I liked half of it. I guess we'll say that. You know, <laughs> it was just there was a lot of it that I just didn't care for. A lot of those like long scenes with people that I or you know just like discussions that I just didn't, wasn't really gelling with. The story was kind of hit or miss for me overall, but it had some really good elements. I really liked the you know the romance subplot bit. I liked those two characters. There were some funny bits too. You know. Robert mm-hmm. De Niro's pretty good. Five. It's again. It's not the not the worst Tarantino, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's 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 kind of right right around what I was expecting. So okay, yeah. I am at an eight. I really liked it. Uh, I've seen it a few times. We actually watched it not too long ago, but I watched it again in preparation for this, mm-hmm. and. I you know I think it's it's nice to see a more restrained Tarantino in a sure, way where yeah, it's not yeah. just bombastic 
you know, guns and violence and shit just popping off everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I do think it works like that because it is an adaptation of someone's, uh, someone else's story, mm-hmm. which from what I've read of the story, it's fairly accurate. Although in the story, I think Lewis is still a convict who gets out, but I think he works for Max Cherry. But I think he's like a shitty worker. Oh, I think okay. that's kind of like the connection there. But yeah, uh, you know, it was a weird role for Robert De Niro, which I, I always love, you know, seeing that. He's not like, you know, The Rock where he has to play cool badasses every time. You can play bumbling morons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Samuel L. Jackson character is a little one note. He's a little like, I'm in a Quentin Tarantino movie and I know it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, I, I would say that's like, you know, a weaker element. But I, I think what really makes this movie is just how adorable uh, Robert Forrester and Jackie Brown are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like romance in Tarantino movies isn't that common. Like, I guess not. I think it's like there as an element. Like maybe right. Kill Bill is the most romantic he's or, gotten. Or Bruce. I mean, I could be wrong about this, but Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction, doesn't he? There's like a sort of love interest with like yeah. the French girl or whatever. Maybe she's not French. Yeah, I could be yeah. wrong about that part. This is my knowledge. The, yeah, this is what like, I mean with Pulp Fiction. I'm like, I know that there's like a thing. I know she has like a bowl cut and she looks French. Yeah. So I could just be being yeah, racist. There's, yeah, there's like a, yeah, there's a pretty cute scene with them like in the hotel room yeah. in, in a bed. And she's like talking about how she wishes she had a pot. Like a, she's like, you know, a slightly round stomach. She's like, oh, pots are sexy kind of thing. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're just kind of, ha- yeah, it's, it's, it's like cute dialogue. They're kind of having like pillow talky kind of stuff. But I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying but this, is there I, any romance I this is in, like, like Inglorious Bastards or <laughs> the, the romance of killing Hitler? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the romance is great. Robert Forster really like sells this movie for me, uh, and I think you know overall the story's pretty fun, albeit you know mm-hmm. pretty simple by Tarantino standards. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 different enough to like kind of set it apart from all the other things, and I think it's worth a watch at least so I'm yeah i i would yeah i like i don't know if i'm ever gonna like watch it again but i don't like regret watching it by any means um i i just i and like it sounds like i kind of feel similar to you it's just i think i needed the ratio to be more in favor of that the robert forster and pam greer stuff for me to like yeah enjoy it more you know even the ending was kind of like i think a little too neat of a bow where oh, really? you the think FBI that was... just comes out and Oh that part. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant like the... Yeah, where they're like yeah. there's like, Oh, he's got a gun and then they just take yeah. him out and there's like kind of and maybe it's because we did just watch Reservoir Dogs, which ends with like one of the bloodiest Mexican yeah. standoffs and like, you know, yeah. everybody dies. Yeah, that's true. You do normally expect like yeah, all his end his movies to end like yeah, always in like bloodbaths. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, particularly, like, Django Unchained when he's like, say goodbye to Sister Sarah, <laughs> and she, like, goodbye. gets, like, sucked into the room <laughs> yeah. almost. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> again, in Glorious Bastards, like, pulping uh, Hitler. Yeah, this like, is, like, a cl- <laughs> it's, like, a clearly a prosthetic face, and they're just, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just riddled with holes. Yeah. yeah. Or... <laughs> but I guess that's not, like, the tr- the true ending is their bittersweet romance, which I guess that works. But, yeah, the yeah. the climax of Ordell's character yeah. is just like, oh, okay, he's dead now. Yeah, yeah. I-, I would say, like, the antithesis to this would be, like, the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's just, like, it goes so... <laughs> it's, like, that movie is, like, not really about crime or anything. It's just, like, it's yeah. just actors, and then it just goes, like, it turns goes like to yeah. 300 percent at the end <laughs> like just you just hear her like throughout, throughout the entire thing she's just like ah, the girl ah, screaming ah. or whatever yeah yeah though yeah that's another one i have to revisit i saw it in theaters oh but yeah speaking of revisiting here's an ad break speaking of mm. are, are we back yeah i'm thinking we're back yeah that that reminds me I watched all the John Wicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, so uh, it was Tuesday. I didn't work because I like wasn't feeling good this week. It's actually I feel like it's like coming back, which is why I may have been a little extra coffee this episode. Cough, cough, not coffee, but you know what I mean. Little, um, little John coffee, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so Tuesday, I like I watched the first John Wick because it's like, oh, the fourth one is coming out this week. It's coming out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll watch this one. And then I was like, I was gonna, I'll watch two tomorrow, and then the third one on Thursday, and then I'll go see the fourth one on Friday. Um, and then like I finished that. And then I was like, I was like, oh man, I kind of just, I kind of just want to watch the next one. So then I, I, I started the second one and then I like, when that one was ending, I was like getting curious and I was, so I checked like when the show times were for it and I was like, I was wrong. The movie was already out. It came out last week. The fourth, <laughs> the fourth one came out last week and I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> and then on Tuesdays, the theater does their, their $5 movie tickets. And I was like. Uh, I was like, I have just enough time to watch the third one and then and go then see the fourth <laughs> one. So I watched all four movies <laughs> in, on Tuesday. And you know what? Not bad. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad decision. Uh, I think yeah. the third one, I was starting to be a little like, I was starting to, it was, it was harder for me to focus. Um, yeah. Also, With those types of movies, I feel like it's really hard to like, you ramp up the violence and style so much that it's like you keep you how do you hit those mm-hmm. soaring heights repeatedly and like really you know change the form and subvert expectations and how do you yeah. keep that momentum going yeah it's funny because like it's the first the first one is like it's a pretty grounded action movie that has this kind of it has a lot of lore behind it. Have you seen John the first one? I've seen the first two. You've seen the first two. Okay. So yeah, the yeah. first one, it's like a fairly grounded action movie. Pretty basic, you know, just revenge. He wants to mm-hmm. get kill these guys for because they killed his dog and stole his car. Yeah. And but you get all this cool like lore dump of this, like this underground criminal world. And that's what I love. Yeah, yeah. That's what really hooked me on that first John Wick movie. It's the action and then like the world building is just fantastic. The second one is also like that. It gets a little more heightened with like where it goes. Like that's, you know, what... that's the one where they're like having the silencer gunfight, like in the train station oh, yeah. or the I forgot subway. About that. Okay, yeah. Where he's just like they're walking and they're like, Pew! I was, Pew! and like, I was no actually one laughing out loud at that. <laughs> I was laughing out loud at that scene. So that that was like uh, in a, like laughing like, at okay. the movie. Yeah. All right, <laughs> it was a little ridiculous. But then you get like the really yeah. tense uh, like knife fight on the train between those two, and like that's good. Yeah, but yeah, the science yeah, part's yeah, a little yeah. ridiculous. But I mean, it's like the plot <laughs> and where it goes. It's like it's still like fairly, fairly grounded, just a little yeah. bit more kind of wacky. But you get more of the world building. You know, they introduce the markers and how, uh, like those things work. So there's they introduce more of those things. You know, the first one has the coins. They have the gold coins, and that's like yeah. their currency and and all that stuff. They they mention the high table, uh, of like you know, the boss people of the underworld. And then the third one is where I think it really starts to go into like fantasy land, like to where yeah, it's yeah. almost like three and four, are almost like they, they could just, they, they could be, they could be set on fucking Coruscant from star Wars. Like they're so, they get so <laughs> silly and wacky. <laughs> and the third one does kind of like lose me. Um, I just don't, think it's uh well i think that i realize my issue with it is that it's it's the only in-between movie that there is the first one tells a complete story and it kind of ends with like mm-hmm. i mean the first one i think was was made to be like you know this is just going to be a one-off and then they were like oh yeah. it's super successful let's make a sequel so the first one is like its own story the second one tells its contained story but then it has a cliffhanger of like oh he broke the rules and now everybody's after him the third one right. is just it's it's in between the second one and the fourth one. So the second one sets up the cliffhanger and the fourth one resolves that. The third one is is really just in between. And I think that's maybe why okay. it's it's a little lower to me. Um but the action still okay. the action is still fantastic. There's still some characters oh, yeah. that I really like. Um, and very famously Keanu Reeves is like putting his whole ass oh, into yeah. like the the stunts, the stunts and the action yeah. like there's videos of him on like gun ranges where he's like you know doing like tactical roles and shooting yeah. targets and like yeah he's he's really doing it uh-huh. as much as he can yeah yeah that part I, like i really appreciate about the movies but um and it's it's funny that like basically ever since the first john wick movie he has not like cut his hair for a role yeah like he's still like he did the bill and ted movie uh, he did uh he did the matrix 
uh, yeah. what re, uh, uh, resurrections. Re, re, resurrections. Yeah. Uh, some R word. Uh, <laughs> but it's like he still has this, like he looks like John Wick, even like yeah. the cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Same thing. Where it's just like, he's like, yeah, this is, this is me now. This is my style. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just permanently John Wick. And like, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not a. Hmm. I I like you know the first movies I really liked, but it is funny that it's I see John Wick almost as like one of those movies that like the audience maybe is a little like guy guys who were really upset when Paul Walker died. I mean, that's like, okay. I I think it's a, like we were upset when. No, I'm died. but I'm talking about like the type of dudes that's like I'm gonna share a black and white photo of Keanu Reeves on Facebook with some quote <laughs> oh, about man. like, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and those who know me best are, you know, just that kind okay. of guy, like the buying like an airbrush T-shirt at a mall and like a like a small town white rapper. Okay. I feel like that's like a big demo of this movie, which. It's still really it's, fun and smart, but like <laughs> I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think what you're saying is like it, it appeals to like it, it definitely appeals to like a wide range of people. It appeals to people who just like you know dumb action movies, and like yeah. it, it works if you like that. But then also if you're into you know the <laughs> the the actual craft of the stunts or the yeah, action exactly. and like the story, yeah, which is I mean good on them really. If yeah, if a movie yeah. can do, you it's know, just do it all why not <laughs> it's just it's just funny to see like i don't know i have a couple people in mind that i know that are like you know pushing 40 still living in their mom's basement sharing like misattributed keanu reeves quotes okay. on facebook and i know they're like the first in line to see these movies okay anyways the the fourth one the new one the the, yes. the one that'll get us the uh seo or whatever um <laughs> uh was was really good I think it was, a, it was an improvement from the third one. A lot of people are saying it's like the best and it's still like it's it's really hard to compare it to especially the first one because it's just it's so off the rails now. But I'm glad that yeah. like I was worried after 3 that like oh man if they if do I just not like it because it's too ridiculous now? But I would say 4 is like the most ridiculous, but it's it just works. It worked better for me. You know, they always have, like, such a, like, great cast, too. There's, always, like, a lot of people, and it's always, like, people that I like. Um, namely, in this one, uh, Donnie fucking Yen, just, Donnie Yen is fucking awesome. It, like, I, I I usually like him in, like, anything that I see him in. Um, he's probably most known for uh, Ip Man. It's, like, a Chinese, like, martial arts trilogy. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm seeing that now. Um, but he's, he's been in a handful of, uh, like, English speaking things too. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But he plays he plays this uh, blind assassin who's like set. Oh, on, he's hired by Bill Skarsgård, who's like the main antagonist. Um, okay, he's hired by him to kill John Wick. I mean, everybody else is trying to kill John Wick too, but like he's like the best, and he's um, it's it's so cool just seeing this guy like float through every scene that he does like there's a scene uh i think it's the first one where he's no it might not be the no it might be the first scene where you see him like actually fighting and it's like in a kitchen and he's blind so he has a cane he has his sunglasses on and he like he sets up these like uh sound alarms like around the kitchen that mm. like beep if people pass by it and it's it's so like he li- he just like glides along the floor just like taking these dudes out and like he's He's, he's incredible. The, yeah, it, the way that that dude moves is just—it's—it's it's incredible. Oh, he plays a blind guy in Rogue One as well. I, yeah, I immediately thought of that. I thought that was—that's funny. Interesting. Like, I saw that years ago, but I was like, wait, there was a blind guy in that one too. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. That's funny. And Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne's in this one too. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't play like a a major role, but um, yeah, he's he's in it. Yeah, I think that's also part of the appeal is like it's nice to see Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne like back together. Yeah. In like that sort of that capacity, especially because he wasn't in the Matrix Resurrections, which was yeah. kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. It's nice to see them together. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who likes the John Wick series is, is going to watch it anyways, but uh, it's 
it's it could be my favorite. I don't know, but it could be like a recency thing. I, I just I've, sure. I the first one is just so like it's so. I know it's it's iconic. It's not really fair to be like, oh well, it's the first one, so it's the best. But it it kind of is yeah. like because I just think again the the int- introducing that that world building is just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean to the point where like we parodied it in yeah. uh, post mortem. Yeah. Like the pencil scene. Mm-hmm. It's and then I watch those two together, and I'm like, oh, we kind of nailed that. Yeah, yeah. Like Travis hitting the hitting the the bottom of the thing with like the hammer and pulling the briefcase mm-hmm. out. I was like, oh shit, we we kind of knew exactly what we were doing there. So, oh, something I really liked in the second one is like the first thing you because it it picks up like right after the first one ends because it starts with him like getting his car back because that's the, like he didn't mm. ever get his car back in the first one so he, he finally gets right. that back and then he returns home so the first thing he does is he like goes down to that hole in his basement and he like reseals it and like you see him like mix the cement and like like <laughs> pay it down I'm like oh i that's kind of <laughs> cool like they i i mean it wasn't necessary but i was like oh that's not something yeah, yeah. that a movie would normally show. And I just was like, that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. I guess it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I got to take care of this. I have a huge hole in my basement now. Yeah. I will say it does kind of like wrap up the story. Like they are making another one, I guess, now. But I think that they were kind of also making this one as like a possible ending. And it does feel like that oh. where like it is a good way to end it where it's like, okay, if this is the last one, it works as like a definitive ending. But then if they yeah. make another one, you're like, okay, you, 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 there's definitely a window for them to kind of weasel out of it, out of like where yeah. they end the story here. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just a lot of like silly, like comic book fucking characters, uh, basically. <laughs> uh, there's this dude, Scott Adkins, who's like a martial arts fighter. He's also in like some martial arts movies, but he plays this mm. like, he wears like a fat suit and he plays this like Russian gangster <laughs> with like gold teeth and stuff and but he nice. does like spinning kicks into John Wick <laughs> and stuff and like it's it's great. It, it's uh, uh and then yeah you have like the Donnie and playing the blind guy. There's another dude who's really good who like he has a dog and like he uses the dog to like help him fight oh, and stuff. I thought, and, I thought you were talking about like grabbing the dog and oh, like, no. Um oh John looks like no how dare you <laughs> You know how I feel about dogs. <laughs> there, uh, and I will say, like the the ending, like I would say, like the climax. But it's funny, like the the ending thing is like it's a very like quiet. It's not like a big mm. action scene. It's it's like uh very like slow paced and like a quiet kind of ending. But everything ramping up to that is just like action scene, action scene, action scene. It's like three or four in a row, and they're all fantastic. Uh, there's one in particular where it's basically they do like a hotline Miami sequence and it's fucking Ooh. awesome. Like the camera, he like runs into this room and oh, the camera's I've in seen front of this. him and then it floats above and it's like a top yeah. down view and it floats from like room to room and like tracks him. It's fucking cool. Uh, yeah, no, I think I saw someone... I think I saw someone on Twitter talking about that because I think there's another martial arts movie that does that as well because i think obviously everyone saw that and they were like uh, oh yeah it's like hotline miami but i think there's like another movie that is actually the basis for hotline miami or like it's one that like maybe okay. inspired it but either way that's i feel like that's very uncommon like that's a cool way to like do a like an action set piece is like fully top view i that's cool i wonder if it's like i feel like it maybe like the protector or i wonder if they do that in the raid the raid has some really cool camera work too and the protector too has some really cool like floaty but it's been a while since i've seen those in both of those so yeah I'm not, I'm not totally sure awesome cinematography just awesome like filmmaking you know stunt work cinematography choreography it's just it's all like firing on all cylinders in the series it's it's if it's not my favorite movie of the series it's it's my favorite action like my favorite fight scenes to watch you mm, know, i gotcha movie. yeah uh well okay so you didn't you didn't watch the episodes so we can be pretty brief about it um succession is back i was thinking about 
doing a mini se- I was almost thinking about doing a solo one for this, but I just I don't think I have time to just try to talk about succession for 30 minutes. <laughs> I've done like one solo podcast before and it was it was tough. Like one like I would basically uh, say one episode. Yeah, with my yeah, with like my old podcast I did like I I think I talked about a Zappa album, which I had I had a lot to say, but it was literally like record for like a minute and a half. Stop. Cut it down a little <laughs> bit. Stop. Think about what I'm going to say next. Record for another minute and a half. It was just a very arduous process. So I don't think I'm going to be doing that with succession. But maybe, you know, if you do watch it, we can discuss the finale because it is the, the series. I'll, I'll try to. The, the last yeah. season. I'll, I'll try to be um, caught up again. Yeah. But the first episode uh, was, it wasn't like bombastic. It wasn't crazy. Obviously, like coming off the heels of, you know, the big betrayal from season three with Tom. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what, what's, what, what is everyone up to the after up, that? The upteenth big betrayal. <laughs> that's, and I think th- that's been like my main criticism of the show is like, it's kind of very cyclical in that mm-hmm. way where it's like, we set up the chess pieces, they make a few moves and then someone comes in and just like takes their arm and moves all the chess pieces yeah. off and then they reset and they make a few moves. This feels more like final and i hope that now they can like okay you're going to sell the company let's actually actually do it this time see what happens oh man and i do feel like it is setting that up but uh what 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 if the movie just ended like just like any other season (laughs) just Uh, exactly the same the 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 real ending is the the roy kids and their dad just in a constant state of you know selling and buying and selling and buying and fighting and all that kind of shit uh there were some really really funny greg lines some really cool i don't know i i don't i won't spoil too much for you because i think if you're gonna watch it but yeah i mean there is like a scene where greg is telling tom that he's he's nicknamed them the disgusting brothers (laughs) (laughs) it's and tom is just like yeah sure all right (laughs) But but there's like a few like stingers from Logan to Greg that is just like I couldn't believe it. It was nice. so good. Cool. So I mean the sense of humor is there. Um I'm I'm curious with some of the stuff that they're gonna explore, because obviously like Shiv knows that Tom like basically called in the hit to like cut them out yeah. so they couldn't, you know, usurp him. And you, you uh, in, near the end of like the first episode of the new season, you kind of have like a little bit of a scene between Tom and Shiv and Sarah Snook is actually like, I, f- I feel like she's a good character that you kind of hate just oh, in, yeah. like her, her, her phony, like liberalism, her yes. phony, like, yeah, I, I think that's like, I do you hate know, her. I hate her character <laughs> and I hope that Tom dumps her. <laughs> <laughs> There's, she's pretty good in this episode. Yeah. The, there's oh, yeah, like she's, there's she's starting great, to be like in the some, show, the actors, yeah. yeah. She's a Olivia Soprano type almost, where it's just like she's done so well, but like you hate her. Maybe not sure. Olivia Soprano, a Skylar White. Like I feel like it's, oh, and okay. I feel like it sucks that it. I feel like it's always like women characters who this is like sort of thrusted upon. Yeah, I don't think you met. I don't think you're far enough in the Sopranos where you met Janice, Tony's sister. I watched one episode. <laughs> oh, I th- oh, I thought you guys were watching more of it. No. But Tony's sister shows up and she's like a main figure in like the rest of the show. And she is a character that if you do watch it, you will, you will hate her so much. But she's good. She's so good oh, at like playing that type of character. I'll, I'll give I'll give you a male one. When I just okay. watched, uh, I just finished uh, the first season of The White Lotus last night. Um, oh, and the Shane. Yes. Oh, oh man, I fucking hated him i hated his <laughs> stupid fucking face and every time his little mouth his yeah little... <laughs> and his dumb like super thick eye like brow line and every time a yeah. character said that he was hot i was like what the fuck are you talking about and oh god <laughs> but yeah uh you know i'm excited to see where it goes i i, I you know I, I read somewhere that there's uh there's like a scene coming up in like the third episode that's like a 30 minute uncut like one take scene 
Interesting. I guess Sarah Snook in an interview was like, yeah, there's a scene coming up that's like 30 minutes, like one take. I don't know if it's going to be like a boardroom. People are speculating it's like a boardroom scene maybe, but it'd be cool if they kind of had one of just out of nowhere, had like a Paul Thomas Anderson, just like camera tracking around like Waystar, like following, like we follow Sarah Snook and then she diverts off and then we catch up with Logan mm-hmm. and he's, you know, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the season and see where it goes. It's one of those things. It's one of those shows where, you know, it's I'm I'm kind of in a way glad that it's ending because then it turns Don't into just spiral. Yeah. Which I was almost going to, uh, you know, it seems like the John Wick movies are doing pretty good, but those definitely seem like movies that like, if it keeps going, I could see it like turning into just a complete well, caricature of itself. And it's like knowing when to end it. That was, yeah. You know? That was, that was the third movie where I'm like, okay, they're kind of not much is changing, uh, but then the fourth one, like I said, just does kind of like work as an ending. If you choose that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes good things come to an end and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The real trick is, yeah, is knowing when to do it. I think that's why those, yeah. like the Vince Gilligan ones work so well. It's cause like he, they, they knew when to end it. They, yeah. yeah. And that's why like, I, I do kind of find myself geared towards like miniseries a lot more because if it's just one season, you know, it's like, it's not yeah. gonna do that because it's just the one yeah that's what's yeah that's what's nice about the white lotus too and especially because it's like an anthology it's kind of like an anthology thing where it's just like in in the grand scope of things it's like the white lotus is a resort but there are multiple resorts so they can go anywhere and kind of tell that story but it's not like we're going season to season with the same people yeah except for like jennifer coolidge yeah (laughs) yeah with like the slowest line reads of the century (laughs) yeah I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very breathy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have a movie next week. Yes. Uh, and it's one I have mentioned a few times. Okay. Uh, and I'm excited. I, I think I Uh-oh. think you'll be excited for it, too. Um, okay. Okay. Even even though I'm not sure if how you feel about it. Anyways. Okay. Cutting to the chase. Yes. The, uh, yeah, hit me with it. From 1975, I kind of scribbled it. Directed by Orson Welles. We're gonna watch F for Fake. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am excited because I. Literally, I've only seen Citizen Kane from Orson Welles. That's okay. the only movie of his that I've seen. And, and is F for Fake is it's, his last one? Uh, no. no. no I mean, his, he did. Vo- I know he did voice work for <laughs> Transformers. You mean like his last directed one? Yeah. No, I want to say it was because there was one that he did and was like never completed because he died before it was finished. It's called oh. the... What is it? Day of the, the Clown, correct. The wind, the wind beneath our wings. It's not that, but um, it's something with like kind of a long name like that. Uh, okay. Uh, and the magnificent, no, magnificent Ambersons before this. Uh, yeah. So it was not his, not his last, last one, but it was a a later one, and also very, yeah. very different from. It's it's a pseudo documentary sort of thing. Yeah. So it'll be a lot different from, you know, one that. I think was like, from what I've read, it was like panned critically when it came out. And I think now people are like, oh, this is like a satirical work of genius. It, yeah. Uh, or it's like, it's been reevaluated, I think, where it's like, oh, no, we just, you know, we just weren't ready for that one yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And this one is on HBO Max. Uh, oh, it's nice. also on Apple TV for rent. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so watch it. One of those. If you, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for it, it'll be a hard one to really spoil anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it, uh, watch it. One of those before. Yeah. Before next week's episode. Um, these episodes come out every Wednesday at 7 PM EST, uh, on Spotify and Apple pot or uh, on YouTube and Twitch in video form as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more in audio form. 
We also have social pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So give us a follow there if you like. Give us a like if you like. Who's that? Is that the needle drop? I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of falling into that sort yeah. of cadence. Did you like it? Did you hate yeah. it? Did what you, would you rate it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the best you the best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there will be duds forever. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's never going to stop. Uh, with all that said, I am... I am, Oh, yeah, Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah, Jackie Brown. <laughs> I am... Uh, your cute little Bond man, Bond. What is he called? Bond. <laughs> Bond guy. Bond. Bondsman. Bondsman. Just uh, I think who likes big booties. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Bondsman. Nothing wrong big, with that. Big booty Bondsman. Uh, TJ, <laughs> aka J Spot Jack Cheesin, with me as always. Uh, as always. Uh, I am, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember anything from Robert De Niro's character. Uh, you know, that episode, it hit the spot. <laughs> Nick, aka Dr. Funk on Twitch. Okay. Bye.